Welcome back to Feed the Post. I am your host, Joe Jackson. Joining me as always is my friend and co-host, Aiden Coons. Aiden, how are you doing today? Yeah, not great. Not great. Um, this is probably the most somber uh, Purdue-focused pod- podcast we'll have this season. Well, hopefully this season. Uh, yeah. So far this season. <laughs> hopefully this is, our, <laughs> it's, this is the low point. We And obviously we're, uh, we'll get into the game. We're pretty privileged being 23-3 and and um yep this is our low point a lot of teams would kill to be in that position so important to keep that perspective and uh yeah we'll we'll get into it I'm I'm kind of like I want to talk about it um but less so there's less of an excitement and more of like a it's more of a therapy session I think here over the next hour or whatever it is ends up being so yeah no I agree and before we do you know I do want to pretty much get straight into the games um you know the Iowa Northwestern games do you want to put out like and kind of just to piggyback off your point, like this is one we're Purdue fans, so like we're waiting for the shoe to drop. I know that's just natural, like because of everything that's happened in the past, but also like we're in a spot that you know losing at Northwestern is literally like the biggest thing in in the college sports world at the moment. Like you know, like yeah, it's not like a lot of teams like that's just like a dang that sucks type thing, um, you know, something like that and. For us, it's it's uh oh you know how does this affect their what their seating as a one you know right. overall seed for the tournament stuff like that so, um you know like you said it's it's cool that we're in this spot it makes it everything means much more right now no um, it is it's stressful but it's fun it is I mean it's become a um program changing win to beat Purdue yeah you know or like season changing win to beat Purdue and that's a cool place to be I mean not not a place we're 100 percent used to being even though last year you know that was part of it um, yeah I mean what has one two three four five six Edie in the past two years has nine um regular season losses and um what Six or seven of them, they stormed the court. So, like, they're used to it at this point, the the storming of the court and stuff like that. So, um, you know, it's, it's a good spot to be, even though there is a loss. Um, first, we're going to get into the win, though. The Thursday game, Purdue takes on Iowa at home. Uh, they get an 87-73 to 73 win um, over Iowa. Uh, okay, so, you know, backside, we had a little bit of technical difficulties. I think we're back now. Um, but you know, I was finishing my thought about just how Purdue's getting stormed or court stormed all the time. Um, but now we're going to move on to Iowa, the first game, you know, 87, 73 win at home, um, a game that, you know, it was a, it was a double digit lead for most of the second half. If I recall, I think they cut it to eight, maybe at one point, um, you know, Edie leads the way or not leads the way, uh, brain Smith leads the way is what I meant to say. You know, 24 points, five assists, four rebounds. He was eight of 10 from the field, four or five from three. Um, just, you know, we got aggressive Braden Smith. And I think that's where you start is, is he got going. You know, he tore apart this Iowa defense, did whatever he wanted in pick and roll. Um, and, you know, it was for somebody that struggled a little bit as a late, it was good to see that from him. Yeah, he was awesome. Um, he was just from the jump, you know, punishing him or going under on those screens. You know, we've seen so many different um, ways to guard Purdue, or at least like teams trying to guard Purdue different kinds of ways. Um, Iowa initially decided to go under ball screens, load up on Edie, 
and Braden obviously makes him pay, you know, once um, just off a high ball screen in the second when they run that counter to the Chicago action, when it looks like it's going to go for lawyer and then they just flip it and hand it to, it just turns into a, a straight up to dribble handoff for between Zach and Braden. They go under again, he hits a three. So I thought that was a great savvy play call by coach Johnson there, knowing that they were going to go under and knowing that Braden's a guy who, if he sees one go in, you know, kind of look out. Um, and then obviously like the no look dime, the, the, uh, the other assist he had to lawyer, which was pretty incredible. So just from the jump, like pretty awesome start for Purdue. And it's one of those games we've talked about it where like Purdue can go on a 15-0 run at Mackey and basically play a team straight up or even lose the, the remainder of the game and they win going away. Felt like that was this game. Like they, they jumped out to that huge lead, fueled by the crowd, by shot making, by Braden Smith. Um, and then we're able to kind of just go back and forth the rest of the way. It was the ultimate trading buckets kind of game, you know, yeah, uh, that crazy, yeah, that crazy stretch where, you know, they're, they're just, I think Iowa, I think the first eight minutes of the second half, Iowa had like 20 made field goals yeah. um, and, and Purdue had their fair share, nearly that many. So yeah, it was a sort of a strange game to watch. You and I were both there and, um, just the level of of scoring and lack of defense because the two teams are so tired and just because Iowa doesn't play much to begin with. Um, but, you know, I think the number, the number from that game is Iowa going five of 18 from three. Like they, they had some really good looks. I thought they missed. Um, and Purdue was able to kind of just cruise as they typically do when they have one of those big, you know, kill shot plus kind of runs in Mackey. Yeah. So yeah, good win. I was good win for Purdue. Like, I didn't even think they played all that well. And it, it, to me, it was a comfortable win. I know everyone wants to talk about the press. Maybe we'll get into that, but that didn't really bother me that much. Yeah. Um, you know, we'll get into the press in a sec. The other thing I want to mention. So ED has 14 and 14 only takes seven shots, um, four assists and five blocks with it. But like just the gravity that he has is wild. And I kind of broke it yeah. down on my Twitter. One of the plays, it's just teams literally are like, they're sending two bodies on him when he doesn't have the ball. Um, and they're like, all right, somebody like, the one, the one play I broke down was uh, Chicago action and Fletcher Lawyer gets downhill um, off the handoff. And instead of taking the ball, Rebraca, uh steps over to Edie to bump him. So that way Edie can't get like a, a dump down. And so now Lawyer gets a layup from that. And it's just, you know, even if Edie isn't scoring, he's just going to affect the game in so many ways. It's it's pretty wild to see just how much attention he really, really has to get. Um, yeah, especially from a team like that doesn't have anyone to guard him, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and that's like, as we... And we'll get to it with Northwestern, who certainly did have someone to guard him. Like, you, you know, that's sort of the conversation here as we get to the tournament. And, and we'll never know until Selection Sunday, like, what the path will look like. But we've been burned so many times that I think everyone is thinking bigger than Big Ten title. You know, even though the preseason expectations were were low, you know, or not low, but, you know, low compared to what they are now you know, I think everyone's looking at it like, okay, if we play a team that plays like this, how will we fare? You know, and I think a team like Iowa um, just won't, I just don't think they can, they, they either can't stop Edie or they have to throw so much at him that, that it opens up like unbelievably wide open looks for other guys. Yeah. Um, like, that's the thing. Like we can talk about getting good looks and we'll talk about that against Northwestern, but like comfortable rhythm looks, for guys like Smith, Lawyer, Gillis, who had a nice, uh, you know, who yeah, had a three, three like, yeah, like, so, I mean, I think that 
you're right. Like, I don't know that I've ever seen a player like him in terms of the attention he demands. I mean, I, I'm obviously only 20, so I haven't seen like Shaq or whoever, but like Zion didn't demand this level of attention. You just kind of had to let him score because he wasn't on the block all the time. You know, he wasn't, you weren't going to be able to really double him. He was a perimeter kind of player. Um, so yeah, I've never seen anything really like it. It's pretty unbelievable. Um, it's, and yeah. And then he just still finds a way and you're like, wow, we did an awesome job on him. And he's got 14 and 14, you know, it's pretty funny. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's wild. Like there's a reason he's national player of the year right now. And four assists, um, by the way, four assists, five and, blocks too. Like, yeah, yeah, like I think that's okay. That's just an overlying, like it happened in Northwestern too. I honestly love when guards just try to ice, they get the switch from Edie. Um, you know, if, if it ha- generally that happens like semi-transition, you just, they pick up cross match, whatever. Ed switches onto a guard, and then the guard's like, "All right, everybody, clear out." And then Ed just doesn't let him get by. I just I know, it or... is pretty funny. It is pretty funny. Like, I mean, they they switch that four to five when it's first in Ed. They're comfortable doing that, and that alone should tell you maybe I don't actually want to challenge this guy if they're willing to switch him onto me. If they, if if he wasn't capable, they probably wouldn't have been willing to do that. So yeah. Then of oh, course, actually, when it's Gillis, they don't double switch they don't switch it gillis fights over and he did late in that northwestern game we will probably get to that but uh, and, and they got a jumper but yeah it's weird how they think that you know with first they they do it but with gillis they don't i don't know what i mean I, I guess i get that gillis is maybe a little bit at least smaller but i don't know yeah i don't know probably yeah probably you can just get around screens a little better um yeah or even the screen like you have you know if, if it's Gillis and they switch, now your rim protection is Gillis, whereas the other case right. is first and you're that's, more that's comfortable That's probably what that. it is. Yeah, that's probably um, what it is. But now these guards, the guards that go at Edie, like, they just try to run, like, as fast as they can, and, like, Edie's ready for that. Um yeah. But, like, if you change up your pace, that's when you can get him. But off yeah, topic. Um, yeah. I know you go. No, go ahead. It, it's not, not something we need to spend 10 minutes on, but it's a good yeah. observation for sure. Um, we'll talk about the turnovers now and then probably move on. Cause I think that's, you know, there's, there's probably more to dive into, but we want to get into the Northwestern game. Um, yeah. 17 turnovers, you know, Iowa press, Iowa was pressing most of the game, but the second half is when they really started actually trapping. Um, it was pretty hard traps. Um, uh, Purdue had, uh, I forget how many in the second half. It was like 12 in the second half. Um, I did, yeah, you know, I did a little thread, right. a little thread on Twitter about it all. Um, and it really wasn't as bad as people thought. And I think the thing that's was lost in all of this, and oh, I don't know if I can find the exact numbers now, um, but Purdue in the first half, when they weren't really getting trapped, uh, there was like 1.05 points per possession or something. The second half, with all the even with all the turnovers, they were like 1.3 points per possession. Like basically, if they yeah. if they got it across half court, they were scoring. Um, right. Right. Now they they had a little bit of trouble. I think a couple, you know, two of the turnovers came in the last 30 seconds when the game's already out of reach. Um, I think you have one from a pass from Newman that's just pretty unforced air. You have TKR drop, just straight up drop a pass in the backcourt. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and then I think there was one or two others that were pretty unforced. So it was just like, I don't know why you're doing that. Uh, you know, part of his exhaustion, they were, they were tired. Smith asked for, Smith went on his run where he broke the press like four straight times and scored. And then he's like, I, I'm gassed. Uh, that was about 13 minutes left in the second half, but yeah, and um, and that's the that's the point that Brian Newbert made on his on uh, his most two recent rap videos from this week, and, and so I don't I want to give him credit for making the point, but like Braden Smith, like 
is getting a ton of minutes right now and has a ton of responsibility um, and is 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 seeing guys like Chase Adige guarding him, you know, consistently for for the you know majority of the game. So it it's it is a bit concerning. I mean, you never want to think about like load management or anything like that at the college level, but it is a bit concerning his workload for this year, um, given, you know, Purdue's limited options um, that you saw it once Jenkins got in there, it was sketchy them trying to break that press. Um, And that that's, and Iowa runs a a fairly good press, but it is essentially just a basic two, two, one or one, two, two, when they have Murray at the top. So, you know, like, they struggle with it. Like uh, they didn't, like you said, your, your numbers broke it down. I don't have that in front of me either. That was a really good thread that kind of like dispelled all the panic a little bit, but it does get them out of rhythm. And there, there isn't a real urgency from Braden to break it a lot of the time. Now, sometimes he'll paint or yell at him and then he'll go, you know, but it, he kind of wants to, I don't know if he wants to see everything, you know, if he's trying to break that down, excuse me, lawyer is not very good against the press. Um, and, and that's part of that, I think, is because of his, his lack of, of phys- physicality. You know, just he's, he's going to get kind of swallowed up, whereas Braden can dribble through it. You know, no one – of course, we've seen it a few times. Both have been called for fouls, maybe not good calls, where he got ripped from behind in that Nebraska game and then the Adige one yesterday. Like, but he, he most of the time he's going to be able to dribble through it because um, he's just that quick. But yeah, it's it's certainly a concern is his workload. I mean, I, he is really, I mean, 35 plus minutes a night because when you take him off the floor, it's so noticeable. So it's something to monitor going into March of like, how do we lower this? How do we make sure we can still be effective without him so we can get, you know, five to 10 more minutes of David Jenkins every game? And maybe that's not possible. Maybe that's just, you know, you'll have a whole off season to rest. But man, it's concerning to me. It really is. Yeah. I mean, the hope or my hope is um, you got to get through these next two games at Maryland Thursday, home against Ohio State Sunday. Then you have the full week. You don't play till IU, you know, again, or at home against IU that following Saturday. So, like, hopefully you get some in there. Um, but in the longer scheme, like, you know, maybe the answer is Newman, a little more Newman, and we can transition to Northwestern. Because I thought Newman, like, I watched it back. I thought Newman played really well. He impressed me live. Um, he impressed me Watching it back too, I was like, "Oh wow, he's making." You, I think you said it on the post game show really, really well. He he made all the little plays and just missed the open jumpers, and that's you know, yeah, yeah. I'll, at least go for obviously, I would have liked to have seen the jumpers maybe yesterday, uh, specifically. But um, you know, I, I think that's just a good. I I hope Painter rewards him a little bit with a, at least a little more run next game. Um, you know, and hopefully Newman can continue, um, especially against Maryland. Kind of you know. Newman's length and size can be used for sure. You know, try to bother Young or whatever. But yeah, you know, he, was, he was. It, yeah, no, he was. He was good. Like I, I think he got used as Morton sub. You know, he got used as okay. We need a defender on the wing, and you're our best option. You know, um, and 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 I thought he filled that role admirably. Now I will say, and I hate to say this because he did. I thought he played a nice game, but boy, he lost Adige on that three. Um, he he did not follow that. Yeah, he did. and yeah. that's just a better – it's a better play by Adij. It's a great relocate off off of the initial play where he runs out of bounds. He, I, I thought that was a violation, but then I looked it up, and, like, he did reestablish clearly. So I think it's okay for him to be the first person to touch the ball. We, You know, I don't you, know, but from – From what I read, it's like 
if your momentum carries you out and then you reestablish your good, but if you just go out by yourself, you can't be the first to touch. Okay, well, so, in that case, it is a violation because he sprinted yeah. way around the, the chaos in there and, and yeah. relocated, but Newman was a step late regardless of whether or not yeah. he went out of bounds. Newman kind of just like, whoa, Newman whoa, lost and him then for he was two gone. steps, yep. Yeah, and then he was he worked his way around Edie. Gillis got out there, gave a pretty good contest um, on that play. But, you know, transitioning to the Northwestern game, and I agree, I, hope, I think Newman will get more run uh, Thursday. I think he's earned it. He played a nice game. It's going to be a, one that looks good on film, you know, um, yeah. as we both have, have watched the tape today and have, have a, you know, I think agreed with that assessment. But, you know, I, I do think, like, I don't, like, I really don't want to be the guys who just whine about the officials. I really don't want to do that. And I know you definitely don't, but it just has to be said also, that, yeah, but, and this may be the last time we should mention it. Maybe we just get out of the way now and then just talk ball, but it can't go with unsaid that uh, on essentially every possession. I mean, I, I chart, I wrote it down when I was watching the game today, essentially, I, I would say 90 plus percent of the, of the second half possessions, there was some kind of foul and not just like a little ticky tack, a legitimate foul on mm-hmm. on ninety percent plus of the second half possessions. How many went called? Very few, very few went called. Yep. And I'm not saying that this takes away from it or whatever. And I'm not. And I know that that's just how it is. Like I I watched the boiled sports guy. I don't even know his name, but I watched his little reaction video, and he was like, "It's just how it is. Like it's not going to change." And and I hear that. I get that. But it, it has to go said that like that the, that was a major factor in the game because they were in the bonus the whole half. And so on many of those occasions, we would have been shooting free throws had those fouls been called. Even like the little ones where first got shoved. Like there was the one where first is getting ripped to the ground after he had crowded the rebound and just nothing. It wasn't even a jump ball. Like if they had caught a jump ball, fine. They just like – and just nothing. Um, so I, I don't really know what to say about it other than it was one of the more egregiously refed games I've seen. They let it get out of hand, and that played right in Northwestern's hands, and and Purdue didn't respond well. You know, they let it get yeah. in their heads, and and they weren't tough, and they, they were not physically or mentally tough, and that's absolutely true. But it just has to be said that it, it was pretty shocking. I mean, and, and then when you combine, like, the flagrant – like a lot of that was was pretty yeah. shocking, and and I'll say this, like, well, I'll save that till we, till when we get into the breakdown of the game. But I just think it was it was pretty awful, and it was pretty awful experience to watch the game back, especially that second half. Not just because they they you know kind of shot themselves in the foot, but because it was, I mean, it was, it was pretty bad. Uh, it was just an ugly second half. I mean, we were you know texting during the game, and I think it was like that you know kind of that eleven to five like 11 minutes left to five minutes left. Like that was just a flat out ugly stretch of basketball. No, that stretch was just rugby. That stretch was just rugby. That was when I used to play, I don't know if you played this game as a kid, kill the carrier when some guy. Okay. So we're just basically just a bunch of boys and one guy has a football and just runs around. You just tackle him. And once you tackle him, he has to give the ball to somebody else. That was that second half. Like that was literally that second half. It's just, okay. Who's got the ball. You're getting bumped. You're getting shoved. You're getting ripped down. Okay, whistle, note, play on. And even Bardo said at one point, which was infuriating, where he goes, play on. It's like, yeah. dude, oh, my gosh. And I had to mute the TV at one point because the PA guy's a Northwestern alum with his daughter in the crowd, 
and Bardo's Bardo. And they're just, they're hyping it up the whole way. It's just like, oh my gosh, give me a break here, man. It was just so brutal to listen to. It really was. It was, it was not fun. Um, I think even if, even like, I would, I think I would say it was not fun, even if Purdue won. Obviously, Purdue losing in the yes. fashion they did hurts. Um, but yeah, no, it, I think my whole take on it and then move on to more breakdown is like the refs were really bad and Purdue didn't respond well and they shot themselves in the foot. Um, you know, Maybe part of part of it's maybe like some part of it is probably the refs, but like at the end of the day, you got to figure out a way still. Um, and and Purdue did not at all. So yeah, you know, they no, lose sixty four right. to they lose sixty four to fifty eight. They were up fifty three to forty five with four min five minutes left. Uh, I'm just gonna actually yeah, when I, I I'm just gonna throw out a couple of my things that I noted during the game. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Just more stats. 26 points in the first 11 minutes for Purdue. They went five of nine from three in that stretch. And so then they went, oh, uh, 13 the rest of the way. Um, so they did not hit a three for the final 29 minutes of the game. Uh, it was 53-45, like I said, with five minutes left. Edie just barely rims out a hook. Next possession, it's 55-47 with four minutes left after Edie does get a good look. Um, and then the the one that, like when I watched back, the play that I think really um, – Cause Purdue to end up losing. Um, obviously, the Audish three is big, but the play before that, or I think it was the play before that, um, 55 50, Purdue gets a really good defensive possession. They get a stop, and um, it's Bowie. Bowie gets the offensive rebound against Lawyer. Lawyer just does not box out one bit. Um, Bowie gets a Bowie gets the offensive board, kicks out to Audish for three in the left corner. Now it's 55-53. If that's a rebound there, it was like two minutes left or something. If that's a rebound there and score the other way, it's 57-50 with two minutes left. It's probably ball game. Um, and, you know, it's not – you don't want to blame put it on one specific play, but that was one where it's just – but we just wanted it more than lawyer that second. Um, and, and ED and first were both pulled away from the rim because of the offensive action. So that was the big play. Um, and then obviously the Adige relocation three that you kind of talked about. And then the other thing is just like even with all this – you know, the fouls, um, you know, Edie getting hacked, Edie, all the turnovers, all the turnovers for general and Purdue. Um, yeah. They went two of 11 on open threes, open catch and shoot threes. So they hit a couple more and, and it's a different ball game. So I, I, where do you, where do you want to go specifically? Um, yeah, I think we have to talk about the last four or five minutes there. Just the execution, I think was what kind of did them in. Um you know, we can go kind of chronologically or whatever, but it just, I think Northwestern had, to me, it came down to in, in the final stretch there, Northwestern had an action they could trust, they yep. could go to consistently, which is, of course, Chicago zoom action. You call it gut zoom when it's in the middle third of the floor, um, gut Chicago, whatever. But like they, they just knew like, hey, when all else fails, we're going to this every time down. Every we're time. not going to change up our approach. And they did that. They had a lot of success with that. And Purdue seemed a bit unsure of what where to go um, because of how good their doubles were on Edie and how little, I think, faith they had in Fletcher Lawyer uh, because he's been the go-to guy at times. They've gone to their own version of Chicago with Lawyer. They've gone to high pick and roll with Lawyer. You know, they've, they've done some stuff with Lawyer down the stretch in some of these games. Michigan State on the road comes to mind where Edie's the hero at the end. But really, it was Lawyer who had, you know, I don't know the exact point total or whatever, but just just was hitting tough shots, and he was just taken out of the game. Adish said, I'm taking you out of the game. In that first half, he never recovered. 
um, up until the final turnover he had where Adige gets the dunk and cuts it to three going in, into that. That was a timeout. too. It was tough. Uh, and it looked like he may have gotten him on the arm. I don't know. Um, but you just can't turn the ball over there. You know, you can't give him a run out. Um, Not a pick six. There, like were, that there were too many run outs. You know, Bowie had a few and, and then Morton gives him an and one. But ultimately, like they had tough shot makers and we we just didn't. You know, we, we didn't. There wasn't anyone out there who you're thinking, oh, yeah, he's going to hit a dribble pull up here the way that Bowie could or the way Adige could. Um, and I think Braden got jumpy. Um, you know, the, the the turnover he had when they were down one, I believe, that Adige three had just gone in. And then he he threw it as if there was shake. He threw it as if yeah. Gillis was lifting up to the corner. But he had actually started on the wing and was then drifting down to the far corner and was wide, wide open. And Braden jumped and just threw it and threw it to Terry Johnson. <laughs> that, that was because that was out of horn, the horn's exit play that they run. Um, yes. When I watched it, Gil, like it's still on Smith. Like Gillis was wide open. Um, and it's, it should have been no read. Gillis was like in, going to the corner and he like jabbed one step up. And so maybe like that was the only moment Smith saw. Um, that's yeah, the only thing no, I can I, and... think of. That like made yeah, him throw and, that that like that. Yeah, I mean, I I think his mind was going crazy too. I mean, that that was a yeah. piece of it. I thought just overall they were running that horns exit play as you call it, where you know, but they were running it with Fletcher Lawyer as the other part of the exit. horn set, and and coming out of the exit screen, which is just a, a pin down from the corner, a pin in from the corner for the shooter, and but I didn't think Braden ever even considered throwing it to Lawyer either. That was the other thing. Like he didn't wait to see it develop. He just crashed downhill, jumped, and then tried to make a decision. And it obviously didn't work out very well. Um, you know, there's so much length down there. And there were a few plays where they just literally left the three-point line wide open and brought in three, four, five guys, even at times yeah. when Braden drove and he just had nowhere to go. He I think he was driving to pass rather than driving to score. Um, mm-hmm. he was driving with the intent to kick it. And what ended up happening was when he got down there, he realized, oh, wait, they've all helped off the shooters. And now I'm six foot and I've already left my feet and there's no going back. And and their their defenders are all here to get a deflection, you know, rather than, oh, the typical rotation of, hey, one defender helps in leaving me the obvious read. And they, they bottled up Edie. There was no going to Edie on the pick and roll. You know, it just it just wasn't there. Nicholson and then they crashed down. And so, you know, the reads were there. Um and I just want to address like the jump pass thing. Look, it's he's six foot. Okay. So maybe if he if he drives and gets to two feet and there's four guys in there, uh he he and you know, this is where you kind of have to trust the player a little bit because his whole life he's been the smallest guy. I say this a lot, I, I know, but like he's experimented a little bit over the years. He's probably driven in and gotten to two feet and four or five guys are in there who are all bigger, stronger, longer, and have probably taken the ball away from him. And so it it is a bad habit kind of, but I think it's really only a bad habit when he's drifting baseline, when he's driving baseline and he just has nowhere to go. I think when he's driving in the middle third of the floor, it's often the best decision because he can get way up there and see and and throw the pass to the, the opposite wing. But it's just obviously he, for some reason, thought Gillis was lifting, shaking, and he ended up drifting to that deep corner where, of course, he was wide open, which is why it looked like such a weird play. Um, and then, 
you know, they kind of just devolve from there. I do think there's, this is my last thing before I let you go, but um, when you're a young player or just any player, college player, high school player, there, there's a real significance to them taking the lead after, you know, the other team taking a lead um, when you have had it for the whole game. Um, and I felt that when that happened in this game, Purdue, especially the freshmen, started to play with their hair on fire to an even to the nth degree, you know, even more so than they had been, which, of course, they already had been. Um, so that that was upsetting. And that's just how it goes, I guess. And, but to that, and I didn't even think about that until you said it, but um, correct me if I'm wrong. IU and Rutgers was both double digit deficits at half or right about um, the other two losses, right? Like he was down like this was the first game that yeah like you said they're they're up and they lose the lead that has not happened this year i didn't that that's a good that's a good point um so you know that's 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 an interesting thing right like purdue hasn't had that these freshmen have not had that they're playing you know 35 brain, brain plays 36 minutes fletcher struggled so he plays only 27 minutes in the game um, which, you know, and we'll, we'll probably touch on Fletch in a minute. Um, but like you said, yeah, like this is the first time that they really had to go through that. And now that lead does slip in a road environment, their biggest game of the past six years. And they were willingly, you know, they were willing to admit that. Uh, obviously Purdue's number one, uh, yada, yada. Um, so like, yeah, there's there's an aspect of, oh, we have not been through this. Like, you know, how what what is going on? Everything's kind of falling, um, you know, falling in. And so... You know, maybe maybe there's that that part of like, oh, you know, this this is a team that can learn from this at least, and and hopefully that is the case. Um, and like you said, I I think Smith did really well for 35 minutes. Um, he he played really really well for 35 minutes. I thought the last five just it was just a, in general. This like Purdue didn't know what they wanted to do. Like you said, you know, they had some 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 success. Early, very early in the game, um, you know, getting Edie on that side block and then passing out on the double, but that wasn't working. He had a ton of like five turnovers in the second half, um, you know, and, and then there was the areas of pick and roll, but then, you know, Northwestern is sending three guys in instead of one guy to tag on Edie. So now all the threes are open, but nobody's hitting them. And now Brian Smith's making poor passes. Um, you know, Edie can't pass out the doubles. And so there was just nothing, you know, lawyer was taken completely out of the game. Um, and so it's tough. Uh, I, I, I'm the one thing I'm surprised is that they didn't try hitting Edie on the quick hitters a little bit more. Um, I, I thought that's where they had pretty good success was, you know, hitting him on some of those quick hitters. That second half, he probably had what four or five really just, you know, getting into the middle of the paints. Um, and then just, you know, catching the ball, ceiling, going straight up. Um, so, you know, I, I was that's I think the area I was surprised that they didn't go to in there. Um yeah. I don't know. I, I it's just so tough. Like what well, I don't I don't know exactly. Like to me it's I don't know. To to me, here's the thing. To me, it's really difficult. Um it you know, I, it goes back to what I said earlier about no lawyer, like no who's your go-to guy? You know, who who's your go-to guy? And can you effectively continue to run the same sets that they know are coming for Edie, you know, um, you, you were talking, I think about the, the high, low set, 
right. That they, that they showed over and over again where, you know, Gillis, and I think they call that stepping off. They call it their step off series. And so I think what they call it in practice where Gillis will kind of, you know, engage his arm with the defender and then push off and get the ball at the high, you know, the high post. And then Edie just spin seals in, you know? Um, But then I think the last time they tried it for the whole entire game, Barron pushed Gillis so far out um, that it wasn't there, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and that in, in, in coach Johnson painter, whatever's mind is saying, Oh gosh, now they figured it out, you know? Um, and Nicholson was doing such a good job, just walling, get just subtly moving Edie towards that block, get over to that block, get out of the lane. You know, I'm going to move you over to that, that block where it's a lot harder, uh, to catch, you know, the, the high low, I think was really effective again I, I, to me, like, and I said this on the post game show, I would have just gone high pick and roll down the stretch. Um, even though, and, and of course I wouldn't have just run high pick and roll and they did. I mean, they ran the, the horns exit play that is high pick and roll. Um, and Braden just made the wrong read. So maybe, you know, who, who, I'm not really criticizing them. I'm just saying I would have probably just spam that every single time because of how much, how difficult the, the, ED post-ups were, they just got him out of rhythm, right? Like they had him doing weird stuff that we've never seen before, like Braden Smith being the dive man and ED throwing it on one of those post-ups, which was just random. Like what is going on? You know, that, that I think they may have said it on the broadcast, like the Purdue machine, the offense is such a machine. And I think that's a good way of putting it. Um, They have such a, a winning formula of get shots up, get great looks. If we miss them, we'll rebound them. We're not going to really turn the ball over a ton. We'll turn it over a little bit, but it's okay if we do because we, we make up for it by getting fouled and getting re- offensive rebounds. And Northwestern just just took a grenade to that machine. I mean, they just – they blew it all the way up, you know, and, it, it, and, and this is where I think it's hard not to get a little bit concerned as a Purdue fan because of past ghosts, you know, that sort of yeah. continue to haunt us of teams that are overly physical that there's this ref thing that they're 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 going to try to call it even for the most part even if one team has a massive man moose whatever you want to call him that's down there that is getting hacked essentially every play and it wasn't just Edie it felt like everyone it wasn't one of those teams where like well it's just Edie you know and and there's a video circulated around about, and I said, I wouldn't mention the refs again. Well, that, that lasted about 15 minutes, but there's a video on Twitter that IU fans are just throwing out there. The ED pushing in the back, some guy going, well, this is the first time they've called ED for his patented push in the back. And to that, I would just say like, you don't know what you're talking about. He's, he's getting five times that on the other end and it's just going uncalled. And then it felt like last, it felt like last night, all the ticky tack stuff down the stretch was called on Purdue that Caleb first foul 94 feet away from the, from the basket where they got free throws there in the second half. Like that call wasn't being reciprocated on the other end. It just wasn't. And so that was frustrating. And and I think that Purdue guys really just let it get to their head. You know, they went away from some of the stuff that was working and credit to Northwestern for just Mm -hmm. mucking it up and hitting tough shots. I mean, tough shots. Tough shots. Adi's just hitting long middies. I mean, fadeaway middies with a hand in his face. He had one with Newman, one with Gillis down the stretch there. No, nothing was working on him. He, he relocates 
gets a three, like the guy just took over down the stretch and he was our MVP. I said it for most of the game. So that to a friend, he, he was our MVP. He was shooting them. He was shooting these straight line lasers that were yeah. just bricking most of the game. And Boo Booey just said, please, somebody help me. And finally he did. And, and that was the difference. We didn't have a second guy to help our best guy. And they did. And I think um, that's another thing is like, you know, the last two minutes of the first half, it's Purdue could make it balloon to a 15 point lead. And Bowie hits two or three straight, just puff floaters. Like floaters is just like, all right, like congrats that you made that. Like I, one was, you know, on like one was on like Edie and first rotate. He was like falling away. Um, you know, another, he throws like 18 feet in the air over Edie. Um, and it's, you know, He's the type of guy that can hit those. So I'm not saying like, oh, just, you know, random bad variants. Um, you know, I, I think everybody would say they're not the best shots, but he can hit them. And so stuff yeah. like that, it's just yeah. they had enough of that stuff to keep it close. Purdue could never really, really put it away. Um, and then, like you said, like, and I, you know, I just said it like 10 minutes ago. Um, this was the first game like that, you know, these freshmen had a lead and just absolutely lost it. Um, yes. And, and so it's it's tough. It's a different experience for them. Yes, it's very different. And you saw Braden post game. I don't know if you watched that video. Um, he looked like he wanted to commit murder to those media members that were were talking to him. Uh, he basically just went Marshawn Lynch with, but instead of the instead of the answer being uh, "I'm just here so I don't get fined," it was "I can't turn the ball over." Um, so that was that was kind of funny to watch in retrospect, actually, because I I do think he'll come out stronger from this. Um, I hope. Um, it, it really, he shouldn't let it, you know, dampen what's been such an unbelievable season. Um, sure. and, and that's sort of the message after this game, you know, Northwestern just had the perfect formula on this day to beat this Purdue team. Um, guys who can hit tough shots in the mid range, like they have two of them. Um, many teams don't have one of those guys, you know, consistently who could do it consistently. Obviously we know IU does. Um, with Jalen, you know, with Shafino. Um, these guys have two. That, and now, granted, will they shoot you out of games? Yes. Um, and I think both, but I do think both ways. I don't know if shot quality's come out yet for this one, but it, it did feel that really both teams had some quality was, looks. I think it was it was like a 72-70 win for Northwestern. Okay, yeah, and that feels right. It wasn't that Purdue, right. you know, I, I, I agree with you what you said earlier, like Purdue did miss – good some good looks and i thought northwestern didn't i ty Berry, yeah. you know he didn't hit one um and newman yeah. didn't hit one either so that kind of goes hand in hand there i think one of the things that i think purdue is really i don't know if they haven't i don't want to say they haven't factored it into their equation because i don't i'm not smarter than painter i don't i've already neither of us are we yeah, want to make that very much clear yeah we we try to make that clear this is just our you know, amateur analysis. He has forgotten more about basketball than we will ever know. But the and, and the Chicago action that teams are running against us uh, that in the middle of the floor that gut Chicago action. Like, if the moving screens aren't going to get called, and and I've seen no evidence either way to say that they will. Like Purdue, that's going to be really hard for Purdue guard. Like, and 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 it has sort of been put on film that like. You know, you're going to get – it's true that mid-range shots are, are analytically the worst shots in basketball. But, you know, when you have – when you know you can get a wide-open midi and you can go to that well whenever you want 
And if you have at least one guard who can do it, like now, and, and you're not, you know, and Purdue's guards aren't the best at fighting around the screen, especially when they're moving. And Matthew Nicholson's a damn biking down there, just throwing elbows, knocking guys off their spot. I mean, he he bullied Braden and Fletch, you know, trying to get around. And Morton at times was just, Morton one possession, took a hit, then said, whoa, like took a second to recollect, tried to sprint around the second screen and got decked all in one possession and then just ended up on the ground. And then he actually, funny, Adish threw up one of those bricks and, and the ball went right to Morton who had just gotten back up and we went down the other way. But it's just like, that, that is a concern. Like the yeah. Chicago action where, you know, guys are getting drilled and, and you know, it's funny, uh, a professor here at Purdue who just kicked me off this Zoom just said it actually, because he was whining about the refs. He just said it like, Purdue isn't really going to reciprocate the physicality like no. they want to play it by the book and they have to and that, otherwise ed will get all that yes they absolutely have to like any of those moving screens if ed had done them he's got such a target on his back he, he can't do that and so uh, i don't know what the answer is i'm just kind of talking i, I really don't yeah, there's I don't, no real point there's no real solution to this i'm just saying that's like, where i was gonna go is is what do like, you like if you what, get a team you go i'm under, just saying if, I think so. Now there was or shoot shoot the you, gap. Could, I guess could you go over more? the first and under the second? You know, of yeah, like, Chicago, like you know. Twir- almost like twirl it. I guess is um, now it's an of course, term, but well, sure, yeah. I mean, I don't have a good term for it. I mean, I think the offensive player at that point could potentially flare it, and instead mm-hmm. of getting a handoff, you know, flare it out to the three point line, which would invite just more tag support, two on one situations, whatever. But and and I think look, the Purdue's MO is do what we do. And I think yep. nothing we say here is probably going to change any of that. Um you don't because they're 23. The pod? No, probably not. Probably not. Uh ah. probably 20, probably the 23 and 3 record um says that they're doing just fine. But it is a concern for the tournament because I keep thinking about that eight or just anybody. I keep saying eight, nine game, but just anybody. I mean, NC State right now is an eight seed. They have two dud guards, Jarkel Joyner to Craybound Smith. Like that yep. would just feast in those situations, you know? So like, those are the teams that you're going to see and, and you gotta, you just have to find a way to get around that. I think maybe shoot the gap would be, would be an option. I think what I just said was an option. Yeah. Um, I think Edie coming a little higher up is an option. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think Edie had coming higher up is an option. Now, again, what they would do there is just manipulate it so that Braden's so, guys in the, strong side corner and Braden has to tag and what's he going to do? You know, nothing. So it's kind of a, a, just a a problem with this personnel is they don't have a lot of length and that could hurt them come tournament time. I hope it doesn't, but there has been, you know, two games in a week here that have um, really, you know, exposed. And you're going to live with Trey Galloway shooting them, you know, as he did and made, you know, but you have to, but um, it's just, even I don't don't have a great answer for it. Yeah. Even to an extent, like Bowie is not efficient. Like that's no. he's. I mean, this it, the offense works for him because he is he is the definition of a volume shooter. Like yes. he's going to get his. He's going to take a lot of possessions with it. Um, and part of it's Northwestern. Like they just don't have shot creators. Period. Um, you know, aside from Bowie and Audige to an extent, but um, yeah, it's interesting. It's, it's something that I think. You know, is is it. If all these mid ranges are being missed, are we saying this? So, like, is it, are we valuing results more than process at this point? But it's also, I don't know, it's so tough. And that's just where, like, it's a, it's a tough thing in general, right? Like, 
I know you posted uh, the two games ago against the uh, against Iowa, the Gillis, you know, where he just, you know, it's like the Ricky action and then he flies to the corner and it was a miss. And I saw somebody comment like, oh, it doesn't matter. He missed. And it's just like, well, like, <laughs> yes, but also like, no, because if he takes that shot, that. yeah, somebody did. If, if, if he takes 10 shots wide open from three and he hits four, you know, that's a, he's not hitting. He's more likely than not to miss, but like still a really, really good shot. Um, and so like, maybe that's part of it too, is just we're, you know, we've, we've hit some teams that can make them and they are, um, and maybe that's, but it's, I, I think it is a concern too, in general. Um, yeah, yeah. If it's a concern. there's a, if, it's, if there's ever a time where like, you know, but no, that doesn't even help either. Cause that's, I was going to say Morton and Newman playing together. If you can trust that offensively, I don't know if you can. Um, I don't think you can. I don't think you can. And, I don't even and, know what that, what does that even do for helping? Like. There's no, yeah, unless, you know, unless Brian Waddell is all of a sudden just able to play, like, there's no length on this roster or very little length on this roster. Now, Caleb First obviously is, has that, and that's why he, I'm just a big proponent of get him on the floor, Um, even though, you know, he, he tends to, he tends to be a huge um, assist ruiner for Braden, (laughs) you know. Or it seems like he yeah. always gets the wide open kickouts. We were texting about that, and then he just doesn't quite make them, whereas Gillis usually does. Um, Painter has shown a propensity to play Gillis down the stretch of games, late in games. Um, that I don't, I don't know how I feel about that. I, I tend to like first, but at the same time, again, like uh, it's Grassman. You know, they're the same. They're both very good. Um, yeah, I, I just think you're in gonna... this game. Yeah, go ahead. No, if you have a point. I was just gonna say you're you're getting 40 minutes of good play from them most more often. Yeah, than you them. really are. You really are, and that was evident early in this game when I think they had 10 of our first 14 points or something. Where yeah. Gillis hits Gilles two threes. Fire. First gets the the dump off. He's such good diving to the rim. He's so good as a a cutter, and then he gets yep. another one where he gets to his left hand and finishes. Uh, I I'm I'm really been impressed by by Caleb first this year. Um, yeah, and you know I I think. Look, people have said it like Purdue just lost their 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 winning formula or whatever just didn't come through today. Northwestern took that from them. They said you're you're only going to re- out rebound us by five, and you are only going to get to the line four more times than us, and you're going to make a few more obviously because of that. But you know they 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 didn't. It, it's not a one to one thing. It's the same thing with the fouls. Like it, it, Purdue needs to blow you out in those categories in order to you know compensate for their lack of length and lack of you know just dynamic scoring and sometimes they have that dynamic scoring but Northwestern didn't need to do anything all that special in ball screens they just hedged um and and Braden wasn't able to make them pay again I think if Braden had come into this saying I'm gonna dunk on you every time I drive you know even though he's not obviously gonna do that but you know and maybe he will at some point um, but, you know, like it was just the driving and then I'm jumping, you know, and at one point he threw up a, fl- a bad floater that he may or may not have gone fouled on. I don't know. I, I've, I've dissected a lot of these plays for fouls. I, I do think Dave got hit on the arm on his three point attempt in the second half. That would have obviously really helped uh, getting three free throws out of him, yeah. you know, but I just think it was one of those games where the freshmen kind of lost their mind. And I don't know if we can really. I don't really know how much analysis there can be for Thursday because it's going to tell us a lot. And if they go in and get that win, everyone's going to feel 
a hell of a lot better. And yeah. it's going to be like, okay, we're back on track, you know, yeah. even though, the, but this loss feels particularly frustrating, I think, for the fan base versus even the IU game where everyone said, oh, it's Assembly Hall, like we'll learn from, you know, at least they came back, we'll learn from it. But I think to your point earlier, blowing a lead really um, has set some people off and is just particularly frustrating for the fan base, which is totally understandable. Um, yeah. But at the same time, like it, it's just going to happen. Ultimately, you're going to have some, some frustrating performances over the course of a season when you're dealing with, you know, young people who are somewhat very variable in how they, you know, perform. So. Yeah. And I, you know, we can kind of transition to Maryland with that. It's like um, looking when I was looking at the schedule, I'm going to be honest. I thought, um, you know, you have the back-to-back road games with at Northwestern at Maryland. I was like, okay, Maryland probably is going to be an L um, and, but Northwestern will be a W Maybe that's flipped and you still go one and one in the road games and you kind of are cool with it. Um, I, you know, I think it's going to be a big test now. It's, I think Purdue's very obviously the better team, although Maryland's been playing really, really well. They've won, you know, five of their last six, although, you know, two are ones against Nebraska, one's against Minnesota, one's against Wisconsin. But still, you know, one five of your last six is, is good. Um, they have Young who can, you know, I don't think we need to go too deep into them. We only played them a couple weeks ago. Um, but, you know, they have Young who can, who can get downhill really good facilitator. They have a lot of length that can kind of disrupt um, lawyer specifically, who's been struggling, um, you know, and that had like, they don't hedge. I, I do want to get, that just remind me, I want to get back to that really quick. Teams hedging absolutely takes Fletcher lawyer out of the game. This he can't, he, for the most part, Michigan, he was able to go against Michigan state. Cause he had confidence to like really turn the corner. If he's not confident against the hedge, he, uh, he's done. So, mm-hmm. you know, Maryland has maybe they don't hedge as much, but they have a bunch of length. Um, they'll switch. They'll throw their zone, their press. Um, although I don't think it's as much. I'm not worried about press. I'm really not worried about presses. I'm worried about half court pressure against these our guards um, and Smith and lawyer. Like, I think that's where we get into issues. Yeah, I agree. And, and that's a good observation about Fletch. You know, he, he likes to, especially on that. Zoom Chicago action. He, he, if they're hedging that, he'd rather throw it back to Edie and then twist it almost come off another handoff. And, um, yeah, like he's not going to get stronger before March. So, um, it, it, he is what he is. You know, yeah. you hope he can get going again from three. Um, he, he at times has taken quite a bit of contact and, and made shots through that, you know, kind of just by sheer will and touch gotten, gotten shots to go in the lane. So you hope that that wasn't kind of an outlier, you know. Um, but yeah, but yeah, I think Thursday will will tell us a lot. Like we kind of know what we're gonna see. You're probably gonna see a, a lot of Chicago action uh, for Jameer Young. You know, yeah. last game they they tried to do some different things. They tried a little, a uh, couple. They they really started the game a lot of the first half. They they tried this look where they went right into a double double pin down stagger screen. And then, like, would just do different reads off that. It just really didn't work. So I don't know if they'll show that again or what. I obviously haven't watched a they ton run of Spain Maryland. A ton too. Yeah, they do run Spain a lot. That's true. They they run a lot of Spain pick and roll. They Purdue guarded fairly well last game after one mishap, and then kind of changed it. Um, I, I do think Purdue can win the game. I do think Purdue will win the game. Um, I don't know that Purdue will be favored, but I think I've seen enough, you know, over twenty six games to kind of believe in this team's ability to respond after a loss. Um, I'm not going to buy into anybody saying like, oh, we're, we're screwed. You know, this is it, you know, no, like that to me would just be a one game overreaction, you know, uh, to a good team. Like that's not a bad team. Um, I understand it's got the Northwestern 
um, name, which isn't a, a great one in college sports, but you know, they're a good they're, team. No, they're, they, they're a turning team this year. They're, they're a turning team who made plays down the stretch and suffocated Purdue in their building. Um, and a ton of seniors. And, yeah. A ton of old guys. Like they're old uh, and, and they're just, I think they're a really solid group that'll, you know, could potentially win a tournament game. Um, yep. We'll see some, we'll see some press in the zone from Maryland, almost certainly, you know, Oh yeah. Um, that's what gave Purdue issues last time. Yeah. It, it bothered Purdue and, you know, I'm interested to see. So like the, the chess match of coaching, like in the last game, they, they went to that as an adjustment. Um, now, and, and it kind of bothered Purdue, right? Mm-hmm. This game, if they start in that, I think it will bother Purdue quite a bit less. Um, and th- that's sort of like, for example, we were playing a high school team the other day on Saturday, and they they zoned us. They didn't think they could guard us man-to-man. And they they we hit seven threes in the first half. And so – but it was only a five-point game at the half. And and then that coach just just switched it up and went man to man the rest of this, this, the whole second half and, and we ended up just blowing them out and to me like that I'm not trying to call this coach out um, or anything I hope he's not a listener but like that to me is sort of a, a overreaction you know to to an outlier first half of okay they bombed us from deep we got to make a change but actually we're only down five so you know maybe if you just held on and played the percentages we we're only shooting like thirty percent from three as a team you know, maybe it would have kind of evened out and you would have stayed in the game. So, you know, I don't, that it's maybe not the most relevant example, but some, to some degree, like, will they be able to stick with it? Um, now Purdue knows it's coming, you know, now Purdue can, can yeah. prepare for it. Um, you know, and I think that's the piece where um, maybe Purdue, my, my point is maybe that Purdue torches it kind of early. Does Willard get away from it? Does he jump out of it? Oh crap. They're beating us up on this. Do we need to get out of it? Does he stick with it? You know, I think foul trouble will be key. Uh, Julian yeah. Reese has a tendency to pick up early fouls, and then Willard usually just leaves him out there. But um, we'll see. I mean, it's going to be a nuts environment, no doubt about it, although they've got yeah. experience in those crazy environments. I mean, they played in some crazy ones this year, some court storms, obviously. Um, the palestra yeah. was pretty nuts in and of itself. Um, and I think when you look at Maryland, they're a team that, looks a lot like a lot of those teams we're going to see in the tournament, right? Like physical um, streaky shooters that always seem to get hot against you, you know, and then like athletics on the wings and and down low. And so it's a good test. I'm really looking forward to the game because it's just fun to see how this team's going to bounce back. Like, yeah, like Sunday was, and today watching the game back was unbelievably frustrating, but I'm now looking forward to it optimistically and thinking, okay, we've got a real chance to go say, you know what, shut up. We're, we're still that team. We're still a one seed. We're still the big 10, you know, like this is who we are. We're going into college park and winning and hopefully winning convincingly. Yeah. I think you, you pretty much hit on everything. Um, the other thing for the game is, you know, I'm going to be looking at ED versus Reese. Reese got going in the second half, not as much to ED's fault. I think just, um, you know, I, I think the low mans weren't there a lot of times tagging Reese and stuff. And they, you know, they went to a little bit of empty, uh, pick and roll stuff like that just just getting Reese on the move but you know he had 24 and 16 um like you know he I don't know if if Maryland can really contain him either Reese is too small for him I think um you know that's uh, no no shot at Reese Reese is seven inches shorter and 60 pounds lighter um so and I think that'll be the other thing and then you know 
It's going to be turnovers. If Purdue handles the zone and panels the press, they're not turning the ball over. Like they're getting good shots. And now Edie can crash the boards and that's Purdue's recipe for success. Literally just Purdue's recipe is, is play solid defense and then just have shots that hit the rim. Sometimes they'll go in, which is great. And sometimes they won't. And Edie and first will be right there. Um, dude, first is, we, we, I know we, we kind of want to wrap this up pretty quick, but first is wild crashing the glass. It is nuts. I would hate it. Like, if if I was a D one athlete, um, I would hate to have to box him out. Like, I'd, yeah, he, that would be no fun at all. He is an animal. I mean, his it's his wild, his strength, speed, combo, and his size is pretty scary. I mean, he's yeah. he's going to allow them to do some pretty fun things. I think next year, especially if like if like Heidi, or even if you want to slide Morton down to the four again, like they did sometimes last year, like defensively. They could be they could pretty, fun. Pr- pretty switchable, pretty unique. I mean, obviously, like you never, you never think of Braden as Fletch as like really great defenders, but yeah. you know, maybe you bring in a guy off the bench who's you know a better defender, whether it's like a Colvin if he proves his worth, or you know a Waddell or whoever, and the, you know play next to even Heidi could play in there with Morton, and then you go like five ways. Um, you know, Gillis could play the four in that situation. Like, so yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm really excited about Caleb. Like he he. He's he's a really good player already, and he hasn't even shown any kind of post game like really at all. So, no. which I think will be featured more in, in the future. I think, but yeah, and well, so we're gonna you know the other game that's gonna happen this week is home game against Ohio State on Sunday. Um, yeah. Ohio State since uh, beat since losing to Purdue on January fifth has won one game. They are one and ten in that span. Um, they started out two and zero. And then Purdue broke him. Fletcher Lawyer broke him. Is is what see basically it seems yeah. like it. Yeah, no um, kidding. Really, my only analysis for this is like it's it's a it's this is a must win. Um, regardless I mean, of the Maryland outcome, it's has you just have to win this game. Uh, you know, I, there seems to be some chemistry issues. Sense of all has cooled down a bunch. They don't really have an offensive or defensive identity. They don't have a defensive identity, and they at least before were able to be a good enough offense. Um, that you could, you know, they hung in games and that's gone. Um, so I, I really like really my only analysis for the game is just Purdue is the much better team and Purdue just has to win. Straight yeah, up. blow them out, blow them out at Mackey. I mean, it's one yep. of the last games at Mackey this season. So, you know, you it's easily the worst opponent left on Purdue's schedule, um, at least when you factor in the home road split. Obviously, Wisconsin's not good, but going there, you know, is tough. Um, yeah, it's so, different. Yeah, I think that game, like, if it's not a convincing win, we are not going to be happy this time next week. Uh, yeah. Probably on the pod. This this is a huge week for Purdue. Like when you look yeah. at the grand scheme of the Big Ten, um, they win these two games, you know, and then they essentially um, will have that IU game like sort of as the clincher, probably to at least share. Uh, maybe this doesn't mathematically work exactly like that, but that will essentially, I think, be what it will be because like IU and Illinois play each other. Um, I think Northwestern plays and Indiana, plays right? Northwestern, Wednesday. yeah. Yeah, so week. like there will be some guy, teams will take losses um, of that group that's behind Purdue. Um, I don't know exactly how we want that to shake out. It just it doesn't really matter, I don't think. Other I'm, than maybe we I'm want, pretty much maybe at this want, point. Yeah. No, go ahead. I was, gonna, I was I'm at this point like Purdue can lose two and win the Big Ten outright. Um, I don't see a scenario where that doesn't happen. Um, especially you know yeah. you lose two and you win. You you lose say they lose both their road games Maryland and Wisconsin and they win all their home games 
That just means, yeah, like, you know, unless Northwestern. Then they've dealt, then they've dealt Illinois and IU a loss, right? Yeah. I mean, they, yep. yeah, they have it in front of them. So ultimately, yeah. like, we could, oh, funny, we could see a, a uh, Cole Center clincher, kind of the opposite of last year. True. Uh, That'd be fun. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, it's interesting. Like, they're still in pole position, but obviously, yeah. you know, if you look at Ken Palm's predictions, he still has them winning the league by four games or four games <laughs> yeah. yeah when everyone's it's... freaking out going oh Purdue, Purdue. They, they should still accomplish that goal um i i could care less about the big 10 tournament at this point like please don't overwork braden smith please don't you know get anybody hurt like maybe you just let tkr ball i don't know but i'm obviously joking but at the same time i wouldn't care honestly if i honestly would not care if they didn't play ed in that because it just doesn't mean anything to me and i want to win in march you know, yeah. so I uh, take sure. care of business. The regular season title means a ton. Like I will never be a guy who's like devalues that. That means a ton. And Purdue obviously, you know, is, is leads the conference in those. And they're, they're so awesome. They're, they're such a big part of our fan base. Obviously, you know, the, then the awesome, like go crazy when you hear them talk about it in the, our house video, like it's, it mean it means a lot to Purdue, a big 10 championship, big 10 tournament. Yeah. Don't care. Sorry. Just don't just do not care. Fair enough. Um, and by the yeah, way, the think, Big Ten tournament, the Big Ten tournament winner historically has stuck in the actual tournament. Uh, there you go. Maybe recently, like yeah, freaking maybe. Iowa losing to Richmond. Yikes. First round. That was tough. That was tough. Um, but yeah, you know, I think we'll wrap it up here. Um, you know, a lot of Northwestern talk, some Iowa talk, and then a little preview for next week. And you know, we'll be back next week um, after you know Ohio State. Purdue has five days off before playing Indiana at home, um, you know, five games left in the regular season, still plenty of time to, um, you know, I don't want to say fix, I guess, fix things, um, not fix, but you know, the, the issues th there have been a couple issues that have shown. And so, you know, you have chances to work on those, get the turnovers down, stuff like that. Um, but looking forward to it should be fun. Um, make sure to check out our post game shows at boilers or brags in the stands on YouTube. Um, you know, us two. Craig Bowers from Boiler Diehards and then Braggs um, that everybody probably knows from Twitter and stuff. So definitely go check that out. Live post-game reactions. Um, we'll yeah. have our Big Ten podcast back later this week. Um, I think that's that's pretty much it for that. Aiden, where can they find you? Yeah, find me on Twitter at Aiden Kuntz. Um, I will be, that's K-U-N-S-T. I'll be doing a, at least a, my favorite set from each Purdue game after the Purdue game. I've decided I'll do that. Um, so you can find that obviously brag stuff. Um, been trying to tweet a little bit more like during the games, even though I had a tweet uh, during the game that didn't age very well, asking if Braden Smith had made a bad decision yet uh, <laughs> that obviously he had not at that point, I don't think, but uh, that one didn't age too well. So if you want to see, uh, yeah, someone actually just, I didn't even see this. Somebody said top 10 tweets before disaster. Uh, someone said that after the fact. So if you want to find these uh, tweets before disaster, that's what I offer up on my Twitter. There you go. And you can find me on Twitter at Joe underscore Jackson 2210. Follow Feed the Post on Twitter at Feed the Post underscore. Uh, make sure to like and subscribe. Give us five star reviews if you do enjoy. Um, we are an Apple, Google, and Spotify podcast. So, you know, we appreciate all the support, um, you know, any feedback, things like that. So, you know, I want to just, just keep giving you these podcasts. We'll be back, like I said, later in the week with a big time podcast. Um, you know, post game shows with Boilers in the Stands. And then we'll be back next week also with another Purdue pod. So thank you all for tuning in. And then we will catch you next time.
Thank you.